the teenagers' perspective of, of our students of what they're going through. Um, I, I, one of the things that sort of uh, kept me going and just helped me is the fact that God put us in a situation where you can argue this has been the most challenging time for any Jew since World War II. Pretty much uh, since uh, 1945, uh, when has Klai Yisrael and whenever the Jewish people been in this situation where the schools are closed, the shuls are closed, you can't learn Torah in a conventional fashion, and any perseverance by any of us, and certainly all of us, in, in getting by and, and overcoming, it, it's been so magnified. Now, the kindness that God has done for us with all of these challenges is that everything that we've done to sustain ourselves and to persevere and keep at it and keep connected to, to God, to do the mitzvot, to do whatever we can do, it's so much different than any other day prior to this. Every mitzvah that we do, every connection that we make, every prayer that we, uh, that we you know, articulate and, and express to, to God, it, it becomes so much more meaningful. It's almost like Akash Baruch Hu said, I'm going to put you through, through something which will so dwarf anything you've done prior because you, relatively speaking, had it easy. And I'm going to give you a situation that you're going to have it quite difficult, something that you can't even imagine, the fright, the trepidation of what's out there. And it's, it's going to make every mitzvah that you do so much more magnified and so much more significant and so much more impactful. So, you know, I, I, our job is always looking at it from a positive perspective. And I think God has given us the opportunity to really so um, magnify the significance of our mitzvahs in a way that we just could never have done otherwise. Left me, uh, you know, with a lot of strength, and really, much, very much appreciated what what our kids were going through and how they were persevering. You know, made me feel very proud of them. Okay, are we able to start, or you're you're we're on, on and we're recording, so what? Start. We're on and we're recording, so please start whenever you're ready. Okay. Thank you again. Sorry about the technical difficulties in the beginning. Not a problem. Okay, good evening, everyone. It's great to be back here. Uh, I certainly enjoy the times where I'm able to be in the room, but you know what? Uh, actually, I think we have more girls than we have last time, so is this, these are the, uh, sort of the side benefits of, of being able to Zoom. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's always a challenge to use this time properly. We know that Elul is not just a regular, regular time of the year. Elul is a unique opportunity for a Jew based on the famous expression, but really it goes way beyond just an expression. Uh, four beautiful words of Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li that really talk about what this time is about, the, the, the time of reconnecting with God, of expressing our love, of appreciating God's love for us. This is all inherent in this month uh, leading up to our Shoshanah. And, and I guess the real question that we're all confronted with, and, you know, <laughs> and we're going to confront it within the framework of, you know, the challenges that were just talked about, the challenges of Corona, which, you know, really uh, has thrown such a wrinkle into everything that we do. Now the shuls are all clamoring, what are we going to do for Shoshana? You know, how are we going to blow the shofar? How are the women going to hear the shofar? So many, 
so new nuances that are just sort of uh, you know, put a new wrinkle and a challenging uh, angle to everything that happens. But we really have to still, despite everything going on around us, we have to get back to basics still. We can't allow the noise around us to sort of blind us from the core beauty of what El is about. This, this amazing month that will, if used properly, if utilized properly, will bring us to a point at Rosh Hashanah, this, this eventful day, this dramatic day uh, of the year, which is the, the new year, and it's a day of judgment. It's a day that all of Klai Yisrael, the entire world, gets judged in terms of what next year has to, to offer us. So what can we do? And, you know, there's so much to talk about. And, uh, you know, I, I made sure to listen to what I said last year so I don't repeat myself. Actually, I have a little recording on my phone. And, uh, and I just, I wanted to maybe talk about the idea of peace. Because really, when you talk about love, when you talk about a relationship, what is the real quality of a relationship, especially when that relationship is, is with God? It's about peace. And it's, I don't think, coincidental that the Rabbeinu B'chai, one of the great commentaries on Chumash, starts off this last week's Parsha with really beautiful Pasuk. And he, and he uses that as intro, introduction to Parsha Shoftim, which we just read, is Pesh Shabbos. And the Pasuk that he talks about is, that the ways of, of the Torah, the ways of Hashem, are beautiful, and all of his pathways are peace. And peace, if we look at it, the word shalom is a very interesting word in terms of what does it really represent? And it's at the center of almost every single critical part of Jewish service and Jewish expression, the word shalom. We end every Shemon Esrei. When we have Birchas Kohanim, the, the Kohanim bless us, and they bless us with shalom. That is the, the pinnacle blessing. And Shalom is really not a, not a two people getting along. We think of Shalom as, you know, just getting along with one another. It really goes much deeper than that. In fact, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God put into the creation a system where peace was part of the fabric of what this world is all about. The first thing that God created was Shemayim. Rebbeinu B'chai says this. The first thing God created was the heaven. What did he make the heavens from? Eish Umayyim, fire and water. Fire and water have no business getting along. Fire and water are two opposites, and they tend to uh, obviously uh, fight each other off. Very often the water wins, because that's how you put out the fire. You, you normally put water on the fire, and you put out the fire. So how do you make, how do you make heaven from Eish Umayyim? Shamayim, that's Eish Umayyim. It's a combination. And apparently what God was sort of telling us and this is something that Rashi talks about in, in the, the beginning of, of Chumash and, and Sefer Bereshis. He talks so much about the, the sort of the equilibrium of the universe, the equilibrium of the, of the way God created the world. And he was sort of telling us that I'm putting into the world a certain fabric, a certain ability that I have injected into it. I want you to tap into and that, that quality is the, the ability to two, even opposites, to work together and with a motivation and with a proper attitude, a proper commitment, there can be tranquility even between fire and water. That's what this world is about. That's what's inherent in this creation. And, and everything that uh, 
the uh, commenta commentaries or many, much of what the commentaries talk about in the beginning of the creation of the world is this quality of the balancing of the universe between the physicality and the spirituality. And the Chovos Havavos, also one of the great Bali Musa, wrote, wrote a classic work, the Chovos Havavos. So it's called The Duties of the Heart. And in there, he explains towards the end of, the, of his incredible safer, incredible book, he writes about the fact that we too are inherently contradictory. He, the heaven is contradictory. There's Eshumayim. We too are contradictions. Our whole essence is a contradiction. We have a spiritual component in a physical body. The two things should not be able to get along. doesn't seem to work because spirituality sort of is, is, is uh, repulsed by physicality. And yet physicality has really no desire for, for spirituality. So how do you get these two elements together? God made the human being and in making us the, the incredible uh, human who is at the pinnacle of God's creations more than anything else, he created the human being as the ultimate. And the reason why we're the ultimate is because we have this inherent contradiction. And what is our life supposed to be about? It's about finding tranquility within that contradiction of creating that inner shalom in our own hearts to be at peace with each other, to be at peace with ourselves, to be at peace with God. So if we look at what we can do, because it's really ultimately, I mean, God wanted nothing but our benefit in creating us. He, he, has, he has no other agenda. He wants to be kind to humanity. He wants to give us chesed. He wants to give us eternity. He wants us to be happy in this world and to be happy in the eternal world after we, after we leave this world. So, and the only way to be happy is really to follow his game plan to achieve that inner tranquility, to have the guf and the neshama perfectly tuned. And how do you do that? And if we, well, if we try to, you know, if, we, if we think we can do it on our own, I can figure it out. I can figure out that perfect pattern of, what I need to do to sort of navigate this world, um, we're going to fall short. Um, in fact, there's a beautiful idea. Uh, the commentaries talk about the, we just read about the, the responsibility of, of creating judges. And uh, the Gemara talks about the fact that we know that you're supposed to have judges and you're supposed to have a social uh, a criminal justice system. Uh, and in a peace, uh, peacekeeping force within the society, namely the police, I know they're under a lot of attack, but the Torah says, we're supposed to have judges, we're supposed to have a, a criminal justice system, and we're supposed to have police to enforce the laws. But they, they make it a very important point. The Torah says, you need to make this, you need to do this. It's a special commandment. Because if we just do things because we come up with a wonderful idea, we probably would think of a criminal justice system without the Torah telling it to us. But, but Hashem wants to tell us and make it clear to us, I want you to do it because I told you to do it. Because when you do something because God told you, then you really can't fall off the deep end. When you follow God's commandments and follow God's game plan and follow God's system, that system is perfect. And it's, it's sort of like trying to, you know, uh, maybe people who are such experts with computers, but, you know, you buy some fancy technology and you try to figure out how to, how to run it. Well, very often you might press the wrong button or do the wrong thing or put, the, put it together wrong and you end up regretting it because it doesn't work the way it's supposed to because you don't have all the knowledge to make it work exactly right.
Akash Baruch Hu, it really tells us the exact same thing when it comes to us. He says to us, I made you. And you are a, a inherent contradiction because you are spirituality and physicality all rolled into one. There's nothing else in the world like you. The angels are purely spiritual. The animals are purely physical. You are the unique entity in the entire world that has this contradiction going on. You have got fire and water in the same place. And how do you deal with fire and water? How do you deal with a physical body who is striving for physical things and a spiritual drive that wants to connect to God? And how do those two things sort of manage during the, the years that we have here on earth? Hashem says, it could, it could be done. Just follow what I have to say. I'll give you that, uh, that system. I'll give you the I will supply for you the pathways to peace to find inner tranquility. That's really Elul. Elul is finding the inner tranquility where with all the turmoil and all the difficulty and all the challenges that we are facing, especially this year, we can still find and, and sort of escape to a bastion to that incredible you know, moment. I guess in the secular world, you picture yourself on that beach. You know, you got maybe a corona in your hand and you're looking at the sunset and the world is perfect. And like, you know, that maybe lasts for like maybe 10 minutes or a day. You know, you can't do that forever. But there is that sort of moment. And it's not just a moment. It's a lifetime that could be achieved if we follow God's directives. If we, if we connect to what our Baruch Hu wants for us, from us so that we can achieve that inner tranquility. And to really have a life of peace, of, of joy, of happiness, which is symbolized by love, right? That when people are in love, there's like nothing can go wrong. I'm just, I'm floating on air. I have this perfect relationship and everything just sort of, sort of falls into place. Nobody can sort of get me into a bad mood. I'm just, uh, I'm just rolling. I, I won the lottery and there's, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Well, we can get to that place. If we follow Hashem's directives, like Kodesh Baruch Hu is sort of saying, can you maybe try this for one month? Can you get into an Elul mode and really connect with me in a way that is so meaningful that we'll already be so close by Rosh Hashanah that your proclamation and your articulation of what Rosh Hashanah is about, of proclaiming a Kaddish Baruch Hu King, of expressing a total reliance on him for blessings for the coming year will be very easy. Because you'll have a month of this kind of, of relationship and connection. So how do we do it? Well, there's another amazing Pusik in this week's parasha that I think will really help us. And I think this sort of opens up the pathways to that peace and tranquility that uh, it really is really self-serving. You know, it's really, that's, that's what's so incredible. We, some people look at the Torah and, oh my gosh, just a bunch of rules and regulations. It's so difficult. You can't do this. You can't eat that. You got to do this. You got to stop there. And you got, I mean, like all these rules. And oh my gosh, like, how do you people manage? How do you do it? And like, <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, it's not what it is at all. And it's, it's all a question of perspective. I guess it's a question where, whether you're on the, uh, a person on the outside looking in on the inside looking out. But, you know, I guess if you're, if you're on the outside looking in and you, you see what a Navy SEAL needs to do to become a Navy SEAL, you say that's impossible. I mean, it's just one of the most just uh, horrific um, processes of testing your inner metal that, that you know, probably exists anywhere in the world. Um, and yet when you're a Navy SEAL, 
you look back at that process and you say, my gosh, that process has given me the ability to live my lifelong dream, to be the happiest person I can ever imagine being because I am at the helm of protecting the country that I love and doing the greatest, most noblest job that this country knows. And that is protecting the United States and being in that Navy SEAL. And so to the, to the insider, when you are that person, it's liberating and it's exciting and it's uplifting and you wouldn't give it away for anything in the world. And when you're an outsider, it looks very difficult. Well, Judaism has some similarities to that because from the outside, it looks very difficult. But from the inside, when we live it and we connect, then it's unbelievably uplifting. And the passage that I'm referring to is a passage that says, Tamim tia im Hashem Be Tamim, be complete, be whole, be one with God. And there are so many different ways you can slice that passage. There's so many different ways to interpret that passage. I'm just going to give you two, and I think each one of them has incredible significance. Rabbi Cutler uh, explains the word tamim is whole, it's complete, it's perfect. And what he's saying to us, and the way he understands this passage, is that, that God is saying to us, if you really want to be one with me, if you want to have a relationship with me that really reflects this love that Elul is, is, is talking about, you got to be complete, you got to be whole, meaning the way he says it, you got to be consistent, you can't be contradictory. And I know these are challenges that we all face. But, but his point is that Tummim is perfect. Tummim means that there are no inherent contradictions about who you are and about the life that you live. And very often, and I'm talking to myself now, very often we do live contradic- contradictory lives. We seem to, you know, uh, uh, we can choose certain mitzvot and certain commandments and certain uh, things that we observe that really resonate with us and we get all pumped up. And yet other things that, you know, we don't seem to connect with as much, you know, so we don't take so seriously. We don't, we're not as committed. That's not a tummy. Tummy means no blemishes. Tummy means being consistent. Tummy means that you're able to look in the mirror and, and, and say, you know what? I really am committed to this cause. I love HaKadosh Baruch Hu and I'm all in. Right, uh, we would not consider a relationship where where somebody loves us and expresses that love twenty you know uh, twenty days out of a month, but for those ten other days they're not there for us when we need them, and they're, they're not expressing that love. Or if anything, they might express just the opposite. That's you wouldn't say you're in love. You would say that I've got this rocky relationship where one day you're uh, two days you're on and one day you're off. And like, what is that about? That doesn't work. who Ask us, Tamim Tia be whole with me. And I think if, if at this time, maybe just, you know, we, we don't even, we have less than a month, but the, there is a significant part of the month left. We just finished uh, Rosh Chodesh Friday was the first day of Elul. It's now Tuesday. So we're still very much early in the month. But if we can find a way to sort of really develop some consistency and, and lack of contradictions in our behavior, if what we believe in and what we want to do, we can do consistently without sort of the on, on again, off again, up and down. I do it one day, but I don't do it the other day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, but uh, then I'm not here. This type of, of relationship does not foster true love and true connection. It doesn't allow us to really 
move into a direction in God's way that I think would sort of just can uplift us and take us to the next level. And therefore, we, if we can find ways, and maybe find maybe more, more succinctly, more importantly, maybe if we find ways which right now in our lives we are, we can't figure it out and we're not sort of consistent and we sort of feel bad about the ups and downs, you know, uh, just to give you a very secular example, you know, right, somebody once said, quitting smoking is not hard. I've done it 70 times already. You know, so, um, well, if you quit smoking 70 times, that means you started smoking 70 times as well. So you only, if you're really doing it right, you're only quitting once. You don't quit 70 times. So, uh, and that's sometimes, you know, how we view our service to God. If we can find whatever we do, whatever our schedule is, let's say whatever, let's say we, we, we pray once a day, it just as an example. Or, you know, we think that it's wonderful to spend five minutes saying Tillam. Or, you know, 10, min 10 minutes we open up a book and we think it's great. It just enhances my day to read 10 minutes from a, a beautiful safer that's uplifting and that's deep, that's inspiring. Can we maybe do that every day for, that, for this month? Can we be consistent in what matters to us and in the way, whatever, we're on different levels, we're in different places. You know, uh, I... Some of you look familiar, but there's some of you that I've never met. Uh, so I, you know, I'm just speaking to a group of incre incredible people who are on a Tuesday night when you could be doing something else. You're sitting here in a room listening to different Torahs. I know I'm talking to a very special group of young ladies, um, but I, I, I can't be specific that much because I, it's, it's very subjective to where we're at and what really is ailing us. But if we can develop some consistency in things that matter to us and sort of carry that through for this month, will be unbelievably huge, unbelievably huge. It'll be so impactful. You know, just, I'll give you another example of what people are doing just to show you what's out there in Klai Yisrael, uh, what people are excited about. The, you know, we certainly know that one of the real serious issues that plague the Jewish people is Russian horror. When we speak slander and we put people down and we talk about people behind their backs, it is an unbelievably negative situation for the Jewish people. So, and it's hard. It's very hard because that's sort of whole part of the whole, you know, uh, society is sort of, um, you know, inculcated with that mentality. Yeah, you know, give me, give me some gossip. We enjoy some juicy information and we fall prey into this trap pretty often. So what a lot of people are doing is they're picking an hour a day. Or, you know, if, if, you, if, if we can do that, some people are doing an hour a week. But if, can you imagine if, let's say, pick an hour or a half hour a day. This half hour every single day is holy, meaning there is no way, no one is getting me to speak negative about anybody else for this half hour or for this hour every single day. And it's the same hour. And maybe during that time, you know, maybe we're saying till him or maybe we're, you know, reading a wonderful book that's inspiring or whatever it is that we're doing. But we are spiritually connected during that time to to uh, upgrade our speech, to make sure we don't say anything wrong, and to connect deep, more deeply to God. I mean, we did that for, for you know, three plus weeks in a row. And, I'm, you know, maybe it's impossible. Maybe it's daunting. I don't know. I mean, I'm just putting it out there as a possibility. We can all find our own places where we can go to develop that consistency, to sort of show God, I take you very seriously, God. You've given me an incredible gift. You've given me the gift of life and you've given me the gift of understanding that as a Jew, I have an unbelievable, A, responsibility, but B, opportunity to change the world. 
to change who I am and to find this inner, inner peace and inner tranquility that is inherent in what it is to be a Jew. Because let's not forget the original point that we made. God's ways are peace, are peaceful. They're, they're perfect, they're whole, and they're beautiful. And that means when you lead that life and you're able to, to, to uh, internalize it on a deeper level, that only makes us happier, it only makes us deeper, it only makes us more tranquil. And that's why you look around. I mean, you know, it's hard to do a scientific survey, but if you, if you look around, I think you can pick up a certain pattern. People who are truly religious, who truly live a Torah life, and I'm not talking about, you know, robotic actions or being hypocrites and looking very religious, but, you know, I, and not, you know not, talk, not walking the walk, they just talk the talk. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people who truly, sincerely have it in their, in their hearts, in their kishkis. They have it in their innards to be able to just, you know, love God and to do the right thing. Uh, I'm sure you know those people. I'm sure you're around those people. They're the happiest people. They just, there's, there's no comparison to the inner peace um, that somebody living a Torah life, living it with conviction, living it with truth, um, the kind of, of positivity that they emote in, in what they do. We can bring that into our own, uh, our own lives. Obviously, we have to do it at the, in the right way. We have to do it on, uh, with, with a path that's consistent with who we are. We can't go too far too fast. But at the same time, I think we can all make those kinds of commitments in a, for, for the next month that would make it so unbelievably incredible. So, Tum Tiyam Hashem according to Baron Cutler, is no hypocrisy. Uh, consistency, no sort of, uh, you know, Jekyll and Hyde type of, of lifestyle. Let's maybe for, for this short period of time, till we get to Rosh Hashanah, we can develop that, that completeness, that wholeness, that tamimus, as they call it, being a tamim, uh, being whole and wholesome. If we can develop that, it would be a tremendous, tremendous way for us to prepare for, um, for Rosh Hashanah and to utilize the El in the maximum way. Another way of, of looking at Tum Tia Meshem Lekech, which is more like Rashi, many of the other commentators say this, is this is a classic Pasuk for Bitochon. Bitochon is a very amazing word. Bitochon is trust in Hashem. And one of the girls said so beautifully uh, before we started the class, you know, that, you know, we always say the word Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat Hashem, with God's help, with God's help. But when you're living in uh, the world of, of uh, COVID, of this incredible, uh, challenging little microscopic bacteria, and you have no idea where it is and where it's coming from and, you know, and what your situation is, you know, it's, it's no longer just words. When, you, when, a, when a Jew says, Berzat Hashem now, you really hopefully feel it because every step we take is, is literally... Uh, we're partnering with God because we got nothing else to rely on because we don't know what, what, the, what the, the future holds. We don't know what uh, tomorrow brings. We don't know what new challenges around the corner. And just in terms of our safety, we are relying on, we can wear the mask and certainly we should distance and we have to do everything properly. But at the end of the day, most people don't know how they get it. They don't know how they get COVID. It just sort of, my gosh, it just, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we, some of us, you know, Baruch Hashem get it and it's not a big deal. When you're younger, it's not a big deal. But, you know, sometimes you do get sick and sometimes, you know, older people certainly are, you know, it, uh, are at high risk. So 
at the end of the day, what's going to guarantee? We, we do have to go places. We go, we go here, we go there. At the end of the day, it's, it's truly Bizrat Hashem. It's this idea that it's all in God's hands. Rashi says, you know, don't read your horoscope. Don't try to go to some fancy person to read your, to look into the future for you. Uh, don't try to, you know, go through any type of shortcuts or shenanigans to try to find out what tomorrow is going to bring. Walk with Hashem. Be whole with Hashem. Is a passage that basically says to us, you got nothing to worry about. You're with God. It's all going to be good. I'm with you. And good doesn't mean it's going to come out the way you want. Good means that, that you, it, you can't be in a better place. You can't be in a better place than being uh, reliant on, on God. That's the best place for a Jew to be. Bitachon is that an incredible emotional and psychological position. I'm trusting God. I'm good. Now again, we have to. I'm not. That doesn't mean that we just we're, we 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 disregard proper actions. And obviously, we have to do our hishtadlut and making sure that we are, you know, do the best things to protect ourselves. But at the end of the day, whether it's our job, whether it's our health, whether it's you know the uh, the other issues that that we are relationships that we're challenged by, at the end of the day, how things work out ultimately is dependent on our Kaddish Baruch Hu, dependent on God when we could throw our sort of burden onto him and not look to other angles, not look to other people to be the ones who are going to get me out of this mess and get me, you know, uh, we, we want a raise and we want a new job and we're, you know, we're, we're looking for a new opportunity. Well, the number one place to go and the, really the only place to go is Tashep, is through prayer, is to rely on him. And he's the one who's going to, help me get ahead or accomplish what I want to accomplish. And he might say, no, he might say, that's not the right thing for you right now. You're not getting it. I mean, we don't know that he's always going to answer us, but we know one thing. This is the place where a Jew gets solace, gets hope, gets connection, and is, in the, is the best place where you can possibly be. There's no other place to go because it's not your boss and it's not your friend and it's not some connection or some you know, a person you met who's going to introduce you to this new individual who's a big hotshot fellow and that's or, or some, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, big uh, CFO or CEO who's going to give you your next break. I mean, that might be the way it happens, but it's all directed by, by the person upstairs, by Kodesh Baruch So Tom Tim Hashem Lekecha is the, the concept of trust and reliance and hope and connection to God. And it really goes beyond the moon. Amuna means belief, right? So that's fundamental. Obviously, you can't have bitachon without amuna. But bitachon is that next phase of a depth of relationship that allows us to be completely reliant and connected to Hashem. So these are two ways of understanding this, this idea of, uh, of tamim tiyam Hashem that I think could really help us during this time especially during COVID, the, the development of bitachon, of reliance on Hashem, that we should completely uh, give ourselves over to Him with that sense that my, my life is in your hands. And please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, take care of me because nobody else can and nobody else will. You're the one. And we say, you know, there's a beautiful psalm that we say every day now in, uh, from Tillam. And it starts with David. 
It's a, it's a Psalm of David, Hashem or the Yishi. The, my, uh, God is my light and my salvation. And in there, there's a, there's a statement that David HaMelech makes. King David says, He says, you know, my mother, my father have forsaken me and God has taken me in. And really the point that David is making is that as much as my father and my mother love me, at the end of the day, they can't save me. They can't take me out of all of the incredibly difficult things that David HaMelech found himself in. Those amazing challenges and, and uh, complicated places. Uh, it was God who, who ultimately saved him. And if we can develop that feeling, and we can also follow up Aaron Cutler's advice in terms of trying to be consistent, not be contradictory, remove the, any hypocrisy that's, that's sort of manifest in our lives, at, at least for, for this month where we can really show HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm taking this opportunity seriously and I'm getting ready for Shoshanah. Those are two amazing things that I think can really uh, help each and every one of us because they are so significant in the way God looks at us. And I think, again, it will bring us to, to this place of Shalom. It will bring us to this place of inner peace where our, our physical world and our spiritual world would be much more in sync. We, 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 we're turning it over to Hashem. We're removing the, the, the physical domination in some respects of, of our lives. And we're, we're finding that equilibrium, that balance. And it brings us only to, to incredible happiness. There's a couple of uh, other points. You know, there's... Twice in this week's Parsha, again, I'm still in Shoftim, the words Kol Yomov are said twice. I'm not going to go through it now and, uh, you know, uh, for the sake of, of saving time, but the one by a king and one also by, by reg, a regular Jew in terms of what their responsibilities are. The words Kol Yomov are used all the days of his life. A, a king needs to have a Torah and learn it all the days of his life. A Jew needs to connect to God all the days of his life. And the way they explain that, again, is this idea of consistency, of not taking days off. You know, it's a very interesting thing. Um, Yisachar is one of the 12 tribes that we have in, in the Jewish people. It was a great tribe. It actually was one of the tribe that stood for an incredibly strong Torah foundation. They were the leaders of Torah knowledge, uh, the tribe of Yisachar. And... Um, the Pasuk says, Yisachar Hamor Gorim. Uh, Yaakov Inu refers to Yisachar as a donkey, as a donkey that's sort of ready to hold on to the, to the load. And the question is, why would Yisachar, who's a beautiful tribe, a, a tribe of, of Torah uh, sages, why would they be referred to a donkey? I mean, they're a lot nicer animals to compare. If you want to talk about holding, you know, carrying the load, horses also carry a load. Right, so the load of Torah is a major load. Yisachar carries a load of Torah, but why call him a donkey? Call him a horse. A horse is a beautiful animal. People go to the, you know, the horse tracks to to see the thoroughbreds. It's a beautiful, you know, uh, really a majestic animal. Donkeys. No one goes to to look at donkeys and see how amazing they are. Uh, not that I know of, anyway. So, like, why not compare him to a, compare Yisachar to a to a horse? Why a donkey? There's a beautiful answer given. And this is sort of inherent in the message of Kol Yomav. And it's a very interesting difference between a horse and a donkey. When a donkey rests, it just has to stop. You don't need, and I'm not saying this because I know, because I haven't used donkeys in this capacity in terms of you know, putting loads on a donkey, but in the Middle East, you see this, 
you still see it, that they use uh, donkeys way more than they use horses. And the reason is because when a horse rests, the only way it can rest is get the load off my back. Okay, I need to rest with nothing on my back. A donkey, when it rests, it just has to stop. Just to take it easy, give it some water, let it relax, give it 20 minutes, and you can go back to, to, to the trip. And you can go back to, to the, you know, moving whatever you want to move. How fascinating it is that a chamor, what's unique about a chamor is that when it rests, it still rests with the load. It still rests with, with its responsibilities. And a Jew really doesn't take a day off. Now, obviously, we have vacation time. We have times where we have downtime. But as far as my identity as a Jew, my identity as a Jew is 24-7. It's who I am all the time. It's how we have to see ourselves on a consistent basis. So we can develop that kol yomov, that consistent level of doing it all the time, as I mentioned, certainly during Elul. It's a very, very significant element in in uh, connecting to God, especially when it comes to the idea of prayer. You know, and prayer is something that you know really deserves its own focus. But I'm just going to share with you one amazing Gemara about about uh, Rabbi Yochim and Zaka. Rabbi Yochim and Zaka was was the greatest man of his generation, and uh, unfortunately had a very, very ill son who was deathly ill, high fever, and they didn't think he was going to make it. And just when they were praying and it wasn't going, Rabbi Yochum and Zakai was pouring out his heart to God, please save my son, please save my son. And all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and Rabbi Yochum goes to the door and who's at the door? Hanina Bendosa, the wonderful special student of Rabbi Yochum and Zakai. And, he said, and Rabbi Yochum Zakai says to him, oh, I'm so happy to see you, Hanina, please come in, come in. I have such a horrific situation going on. My son is deathly ill upstairs, very high fever, and please pray for him. Please pray for him. Hanina Mendoza goes to the wall. He shuts down in total, separates from everything else. He focuses on prayer. He cries out to God comes back a few minutes later to the great rabbi, the leader of the generation, Rabbi Yochum and Zakai. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Your son is fine. He's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. They run upstairs. Can't believe it. The fever broke. He's out of his coma. And he's, he's fine. And he was so thankful. He was so amazing. And the Gemara says that when, when the, they saw that Hanina Bendosa was able to accomplish what Rabbi Yochan Mazakai didn't accomplish. So there were people who started wondering. In fact, I think it says even his wife was wondering, uh, well, wait a minute. You know, everyone told me that Rabbi Yochan Mazakai, that my husband was the, the, the greatest man of the generation. And now I see that Hanina Bendosa was able to pray and he saved our son and you couldn't do it. So does this mean that indeed, uh, you're not the greatest man of the generation. Does this mean that Hanina Mendoza is the greatest man? So the Gemara says no. In fact, it was a heavenly voice that came out and said, Hanina Mendoza is a wonderful person, but Biochim and Zaka is the greatest man of the generation. So if he's the greatest man of the generation, why couldn't he answer? Why couldn't he be answered by God? And why did it take Hanina Mendoza? The Gemara says because Hanina Mendoza had a certain quality a certain element of his service to God that was special. And the Gemara says, because Hanina Mendoza related to God like a, uh, like a servant 
like I'm sorry, like a um, like a uh, yeah, like a servant in the house of his master, as opposed to Yochum Zakai, who was like an officer in the house of of his master. Meaning, I guess the simple way of explaining it, if you take, you know, the president, right, of the United States, Lahabdul, to, uh, you know, make a distinction between sanctity and, and non-sanctity, but a, but a uh, president of the United States has his cabinet people. Well, the cabinet people sit around. They don't go to the back room and take a Diet Coke or some seltzer and just do what they want to do. The chief of staff will be, would do that, but, the, but the, the higher level person sits here in a very official level, and he... He needs to act, you know, uh, accordingly. But the the chief of staff, who's very comfortable because he's like a servant in the house of the master, he's moving around, he's checking out the the back kitchen, he's he's getting the sodas, he's getting whatever he wants to get. It's a different perspective. And the commentators explained, Hanina Mendoza was constantly praying to God. He was constantly connecting to Hashem. He was so comfortable with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the sense that he talked to him so often that HaKadosh Baruch Hu couldn't say no to him. He couldn't resist him. And therefore, whatever he prayed for, he pretty much uh, got an answer, uh, got the, the, the right answer that he wanted. Do you see that there's something very special about people praying consistently, of people doing things on a regular basis, knocking on, a, on Hashem's door on a regular basis. When we need things, we, when we want to talk to somebody, for us to be able to talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to talk to God and to be constantly at his door, so to speak, is not something that we're bothering God about. No, he wants that intimacy. He wants that constancy. He wants that connection with us. So, so we can do that. If we can use this month as an opportunity for prayer, an opportunity for connection, an opportunity, opportunity for consistency, these are all critical elements. One last point before I say, I say goodnight to you is is one other incredible benefit of peace. What really brings a person total peace? We spoke about peace within ourselves. We spoke about peace with God. When we, when we are connected and reliant and we have bitachon in God, when we, we remove the hypocrisy, when we uh, you know, create that, that perfect symmetry within ourselves between the physicality and the spirituality, these are all beautiful things. There's one other very important thing. One of the most one of the greatest impediments to us having inner tranquility is our relationships with other people. And if we don't let things go, when we're holding on to negativity, when we have anger and resentment and jealousy and anger and hatred towards another person, there's no peace. And there's no peace because, again, we're not in sync with the way God wants the world to run. God says to us, let things go. God says to us, don't you want me to let things go? Don't you want me to sort of overlook some of your iniquities and some of your issues and challenges uh, because after all, you are human and you're sort of saying, God, please, you know, cut me some slack. Give me a break. I mean, I'm trying, you know, but at the end of the day, please let things, let it go and overlook. And God says to us, I'm very, I'm very happy to overlook, but just do me one favor. Just be consistent. Remove the hypocrisy. Do you let things go? Is there anybody you're not talking to? Is there anybody you're still angry at? Is this some relationship that you refuse to, to uh, allow to be rectified because you're just holding on to that grudge? Is, is not happening in your world? And if it is, then we have a very tough time coming to God, 
and asking God to overlook what we're not able to overlook. So really, the, I think the last step is, is the issue of, of how Jews interact with one another. You know, this is a time we're all desperate for connection. Uh, we as Jews, we have to, you know, be pull for one another, be behind one another, support one another. It's an incredible time to create uh, those connections that really have to be the for Kaisro, uh to overcome this, this incredible challenge. And if we can do that, we can sort of let all of the negative energy flow out of our system to only have that reliance on God, not to be angry at other people, to sort of, you know what, this life is too short and, and there are too many important things for me to focus in on that I'm going to sit there and, and hold on to this anger that's just holding me back and creating such negativity. That would be the sort of the, the third and final step of that inner tranquility, that that is so much what we need and what we're looking for during this time. So Bez Hashem, we can develop the relationship with God, the relationship with ourselves in terms of, of consistency, of constancy, of relying on God and calling out to God and developing that intimacy with God. And we can finally also remove the negativity with our relationship with other people, sometimes even with family members. Bez Hashem, it'll be an incredible schus uh, to fulfill that mandate of I just want to thank you for listening. Wish you all a, an incredible Elul, incredible Yom Naraim, a good Gebenchorg, Sivach Simetova Bez Hashem. We should only have Simchanachas and, and overcome this challenge and be Zolchet to only uh, the ultimate joy with the Bias Hamashach Mehir made. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Roy Silberger, for being here. And like I said, for always saying yes, I appreciate this and all the inspiration that we're getting. So, I hope we'll be able to implement all of that. So thank you okay. again. And I can remind everyone, um, Roy Silberger, you're free to leave whatever, whatever you, you want. Uh, thank you so much. If I can remind everyone to please um, either chat, put in the chats here or to private message me um, something, something you gain from tonight's class. I really get a lot of feedback and appreciation when people write a comment that they, you know, something that inspired them, something that, you know, made them think, um, whatever that is. And I really, um, teachers really, really appreciate um, getting that. I also know that our sponsors, you know, Rabbi Brander, who funds and, and supports the TLC program, he really appreciates seeing that we learn something from the classes. And since we get all of this for free, Baruch Hashem, and before Corona, we were having the dinners, and even now we're continuing with that in a limited way, but still, um, it really is, it's very nice for him to uh, to realize and to see in you know, in paper, in, in actual ink and in black and white that the girls really gain from the classes. So if you can take a few minutes and just either here in the chat, send me something or uh, text me or email me, whatever that is, um, something you gained from the class or something that inspired you or something that touched you or that reminded you of something or whatever it is, um, I would really appreciate that because it, it really goes a long way. Um, before we started the class, we were talking about the, what Corona has, how it's made us our, change our way of thinking about working on ourselves and the coming of the next year, what to expect, what we can think on, what we can take on for next year. And I shared about myself that I feel like, you know, one of the things that I, that really spoke to me a lot is the uncertainty and that the, you know, and how you can use that in a positive way that really now we were all uncertain and we realized it was only a facade that we thought that we're in control. And really now we realize, and even the whole world realizes that we're really not in control and really only Hashem is in control. And it's something that we can really, you know, try to implement in a small, even in a small way. And like we mentioned before, take something small and then cut it in half and then cut it in half again 
You want it to be something that you can really work on. And something that for myself, I work on is at the Shabbos table, I bought the book Living at Muna, and at the Shabbos table, we read um, a page, you know, one lesson. Um, and that's just something that we've taken on. So it's something very small, something very doable, and, um, and it's a very inspirational way. And it makes you think, and sometimes it sparks conversation, and it's something that as a family we're now working on, which I really, really love. Um, so that's just from us. And I know that Sarah was speaking before about um, the changes and different things that, you know, struggles that it, sometimes it's hard and things that, in, you know, are not what they expect. And Hani was speaking. So if anyone else would like to share something that maybe, you know, now that the new year is coming and maybe in the Rosh Hashanah is coming, now we're thinking about like what we should work on, what we can think about, how we want our next year to be. You know, um, I was just speaking to Pina before when um, she came to pick up the pizza and we were talking about, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, in Rosh Hashanah Davening, we say like, who's going to live, who's going to die, who's going to get sick. And we were talking about how this is all from Hashem. Like, it's so clear that it's from Hashem. Like Panina mentioned, I hope you don't mind me sharing um, that you can have a married couple, you know, Hani was there also, you have a married couple that's living in the same house and one spouse gets sick and one does not at all. And that's just so surprising. And like we, it's clearly from Hashem. Like it's just, there's no explanation. And scientists really are so baffled by how it travels and what's happening. And we still have no idea. That's why things are still so uncertain. No one has any idea about anything. Like we all think we know, but we have no idea. Um, And it just speaks again to, you know, maybe how we should be introspective and think like Rosh Hashanah is coming up again. Like we have another chance. We can talk to Hashem. Like, look at what happened this past year that was planned on Rosh Hashanah. And we're coming up to Rosh Hashanah again. What do we want our year to look like? And what role can we have in that? What, how, what should our perspective be? What should something, we, what, what do we want to work on to make ourselves a better person? What do we learn? If we're given a chance of another year, maybe we should take that experience of this past year and make our, make our next year better. Um, so if anybody wants to share, uh, that's enough of me talking. So if anyone wants to share, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear what other people have to say and maybe hopefully it'll inspire me to take something on and to work on something. So um, Hani, I don't know if you were in the middle of sharing before and then we cut you off. Um, um, actually, yeah, I said, but it's interesting because the rabbi just say what I said. Okay, so let's hear it again. Let's hear what you want to say. Uh, I, I said that um, we always say, but the rabbi said it, Bezrat Hashem, and now we really, really feel it. And one more thing, I always, when the corona starts, I always said, like, look, what, what happened? What Hashem, like, how Hashem big uh, from everything shut down, everything closed, all the world crazy from something that we, we even can see. We don't, we can see, we can't see the virus. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm just saying, it's like, to me, it's so... It's really like I, I, my husband and I both said, like, this is such a lesson in Hashem telling us that, like, time to work on our Amuna. Like, we need to just start working on our Amuna and be tough on it. And it's very hard. It's very, very hard to really work on it and to know exactly what to do. And, you know, but even in a small way, in, in some small, significant way, you know, when you're driving around and you find a parking spot, say, thank you, Hashem. And just by being open and, you know, that popular song, thank you, Hashem, like my kids all know it. But if you say it out loud and you acknowledge that something comes from Hashem, we realize we're not in control of everything. And even in that small way, like the fact that I got a parking spot, I mean, I was in Brooklyn and I'm telling you, 
I grew up in Brooklyn. Okay. I lived there for 20 years. Sarah, I tell you, you have not lived until you like, we rented an Airbnb. I, every single time I came back to the apartment, I literally had a circle for 20 minutes to find a parking spot. It was crazy. There was no parking anywhere because it was an apartment and we were renting the Airbnb and we didn't have a parking spot because the guy actually rented out the parking spot for like money. Like, so he didn't let his Airbnb people use the parking spot. We had to, because people pay, because it was like really like in the middle of Brooklyn. And we had to, I had to like, every time I was like, thank you Hashem for a parking spot that wasn't five blocks away. It was only one block away. I'm telling you, it was crazy. But like, you really like just even that, it's like a silly thing, but it's something that like, it's all up to Hashem. It's like every, from everything, from your parking spot to like how hot it is outside and how much, how long you have to wait online for something outside and how hot it is that day. It's just like, even, like everything. I saw so much, like, and you really have to look for it. It's really about looking for it and acknowledging it. And I really feel like this whole, for me, like the lesson I really took and like what Hani was saying and a little bit what Rabbi Silver was saying, like it was so much for me this entire period was about like recognizing Hashem you know, and trying to incorporate more of that in my life. Um, that was really what this whole thing has really taught me a lot. But how about um, Emily? How about what, what, you, what would you like to share? Or you can say pass if you don't want to. Um, I missed the question. I so we, we've been talking about how this come, this this year this has been so different. And every year when we come up to Rosh Hashanah, we try to think of what we learned and what we'd like to take on um, for next year, something small or something, some different perspective that we have that's going to help us approach Rosh Hashanah or next year. Um, and because this year has been so different and we understand that all of this was decided last Rosh Hashanah, so that it, how do we approach this coming Rosh Hashanah? I think it's kind of like, um, a lot of it was said already, like, we kind of like, or like I was talking to my coworker today, we're trying to set up our camp room, classroom, whatever we're calling, I don't know what we're calling it. Um, we're setting up for camp and everything that we had prepared for the year and she it was, it has changed. Like, um, and everything that she had been working on over the summer was taken out of the classroom. We're not allowed to have storage in our classroom and like all sorts of extra stuff. And it's kind of like, as last year, we spent the entire year thinking about how we're going to prepare and have such a more relaxed year this year with our new curriculum everything is now day by day, as opposed to um, we had our our plans. So it's kind of like an interesting lesson to take in as you can think about what you want for the whole year, but you can plan and plan and plan. It's just, it's never gonna turn out the way you plan it. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. True, 100%. How about you, Panina? <clears throat> Okay, um, so what have I taken? A couple of things, so I don't want to be too long. So basically, I guess I took it for granted how convenient it has always been. Even though I've traveled the world and I've seen how poor different people live in their lives and how they don't have the luxury that we have here in America with going to a grocery store and the convenience of water at our disposal. It's still like, you, know, you go to another country and you assist and volunteer and you're like, yeah, okay, so you try to help well i would help when i would go there for different trips but in my own country it never even it never even occurred to me that it would be 
something that I would ever have to deal with. Um, and so the fact that I was not going to be able to have access to any food and like kosher chicken, there was a whole thing where there was no kosher chicken and to stand outside in a line for hours to get into a store. And I work in healthcare. So if I'm working from seven to seven, by the time I get out, the stores are closed. So there is no access. So it, it was, it was an amazing thing to realize like, wow, I, I really took that for granted. And having, not having the ability to have access to get to a store. And then obviously when the riots happened and there was more shut down. So, um, I think that was something where, even though there's, you know, different things that'll come up, just the ability to be able to have access to getting into a food store now. I'm like, wow, this is so nice. I don't care. Right. Not taking I mean, it. I, it's not I mean, we have toilet paper on the shelves now. I mean, you know, like, was, and, and I used to joke about that, but when you have a family with eight kids and you're living it all at home and none of your kids are in school, it's not like a joking matter, really. Like, like we, like really we were down to our last roll of toilet paper and paper towels. And we were really like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we supposed to do? I, I don't, you know, like, I really have no idea. Like, and, and the stores had none. My husband would go to the store, literally, he would be there when they opened, waiting yeah. online or even whatever. And like, he still couldn't get things. But he went three times, even things we like, like the brand of water that we like drinking, the brand of bottled water that we like drinking, the store didn't have in stock for like weeks on end. My kids were like, and like, I feel spoiled we are that we need to have a certain brand of bottled water. We have to drink like, you know, Poland Spring versus like the Kirkland Signature or like, you know, I'm telling you, like, it's crazy how spoiled we are. We take so many things for granted that we live in a rich country and can basically get whatever we want at the snap of our fingers. You know, you order it on Amazon and it comes the next day. I mean, we're so spoiled. Like, so you have, you have and you have like, Amazon Fresh and like the two hour Amazon, you know, whatever it's called, you know, like that gets something in two hours, literally. And we're so spoiled. Like we don't realize how lucky we are that we really, you know, like you're right. My sister also had gone to countries where they don't have fresh water, you know, they, they like, and, and like there are lakes and it's like, it's really, it's crazy. And we're like comparing Poland spring water and Kirkland signature water and we don't have enough seltzer for Shabbos. You know what I mean? Like how crazy is that? You know, we really have to be really grateful and like look at yourself and try to like not be spoiled. Like, okay, it's fine. We'll all manage. Like, we'll live. And when we had no choice, we dealt with it and it was fine. Nobody like went crazy because they didn't have a certain brand of water that they need. You know, like we all managed. We're all fine for it. Like, it's okay. You know, really, it's, you're right. And, 100%. and the, thing that I, the thing that I'm taking on for the new year is um, I tend to have like, at work, tend to have like a higher expectation for their jobs, and I I tend to get very. Oh, did I break up? Yeah. Um. So I tend like, a lot of us wear like we're wearing our masks every day, right? We, when we go out, we have to wear our masks, and so I took it as like one of my goals for the new year has been right when Corona actually had started. I realized like oh, you know, I have very high expectation of wanting to. They, like see all my coworkers at my job wanting to have pride in their work and wanting to do the best they can. And then when a coworker would just slack off and not care and do a half-assed job and it could potentially like not be in the best interest of a patient, I would make the like, comments about them to another coworker or about their skill set. Even though like who am I to comment on their skills? Like I shouldn't accept them for who they are. Um, I'm not their supervisor. 
So I realized like, oh, you know, the masks that we wear, we're supposed to wear them for the virus. But in all reality, I should be mindful that just like we have to cover our mouths for the protection of the virus. It should also be that I be more mindful of what I say about my coworkers or anyone for that matter. For wherever they're at, wherever they're holding and whatever they're doing in their life, that is what they're doing. And if are they okay with it or not is between them and God and whoever else that they're with. And who am I to say anything? Unless they're open to wanting to hear it. So that's something that I'm taking on for the new year. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Sarah, would you like to share? Sure. Um, I agree with what both Khani and Paige said. So um, I'm not trying to like copy, but um, yeah, I agree with both. Like what Khani was saying is, it's so true. We don't even know what the next day will be like. For example, I have to schedule an exam to take at a like educational testing center for my master's degree. And I have to schedule it two weeks in advance. And I don't even know if the exam place will have to close down because of COVID. So it makes me realize that like everything's in Hashem's hands and not in our hands. And we just have to trust in him that he's doing what's best for us. Hard. It's 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 very hard. The uncertainty is very hard. You know, my yeah. sister. I, I was in New York because my sister got married, and my my um and my mother said even with this whole thing planning the wedding, like the whole thing has been so uncertain. But like it kind of prepared her a little bit because there was COVID happening beforehand. So she was right. uncertain before. She was uncertain during the engagement and preparing for the wedding. Like the whole thing was so like they didn't know to like three weeks beforehand where it would be and who was coming, and it was just they couldn't they couldn't plan anything because. There were different places that were having different restrictions and they just had no idea what they'd even be allowed to do, you know, and it's hard. It's really hard. Like my mother kept saying like, this is the best and I'm happy about this. Like, I'm so happy that this is my problem now. Like she's actually getting married. I'm just so happy that, that she's getting married and like, I'm embracing this, but it doesn't make it easy. Like it was still right. hard. It was so stressful. And it, exactly. And then it makes you appreciate when things go right, which is right. what Panino was saying. Right. Like we can't take anything for granted. All right. the little things. Like, we have to appreciate all the little things. Right, right, right. Which is also hard to do because we forget in the moment, like, you know, like we're in it. So we have to just remind ourselves and check in and say, hey, you know, wait a second. Hey, that went right today. Or, hey, you know, like, you know, and I try, like, I, I don't do this all the time, but I but I had heard this really great, like, tip that a lot of, like, a good parenting tip, like to, you know, and this could be for everyone and not just for parenting, but like for your children. It's like at the end of the day, when they're going to sleep and you're putting them to bed or even for yourself when you're going to bed, like, do like kind of like a mini nefesh, but you help your children do it to say like, what went well today? Like, what were you happy with? What was, what happened during your day? Like what went well today? What are you grateful for today? Like what, tell me three things that went well today that you really, and it teaches the kids to look for the good. You know, it teaches your, and teaches yourself, you know, like uh, Rabbi, one of my favorite speakers is Rabbi Pesach Krohn. He talks about this all the time. He says like, have a notebook that at the end of the day is your like diary and you write down things that you're grateful for. And like in the beginning, it's going to be really easy to think, Hashem, for your eyes and for your breathing and for talking and for, you know, and then it gets harder and harder to think of things. But then as you do it, it becomes easier and easier because you, you train yourself to be grateful for even little things like the parking spot, like not being so hot today, like, you know, uh, somebody made your day easier by who knows what, you know, whatever it might be, you know, they had what you needed in the store and you didn't have to run to a second store, you know, they had the brand of the thing you could liked. And now your kid's going to be so happy, whatever it might be, you know, and you'll train yourself to like, think for the good things. And it's so important. Like people like being around, I mean, you know, you know this, I'm sure. Like people like being around positive people, 
you know, like people who are not positive people, like we don't like being around them. And the patient that's not the positive patient, that's like the, the like hard patient to work with. No one wants to work with that patient. You know, like I know it, like, you know, it, it's just the way it is. Like you have, I was a speech therapist for a while. I, you know, and the kids that were like positive and willing to work and, you know, had the positive attitude, even if they like had a hard time, even if they stuttered or like whatever, they like were positive about it. They were like a, so fun to work with. And the kids that didn't want to be there, like I didn't want them to be there either, you know, like, so you have no choice obviously at the end of the day, but it just makes it harder to do your job right. If, you know, and to do it at all, because you don't really, it's like, like you said, like your heart's not in it. And when your heart's not in it, it, you know, it doesn't make it fun at all, you know? Um, and so it's, you know, definitely, you know, um, something great to teach ourselves to have gratitude. Like, you know, like they say, like the attitude of gratitude, it's really important. You know, it's like a really important thing to try to work on. That's for sure. A hundred percent. And that, you know, we were talking about before that ties into what we were saying before, which is, I think it helps in building our Muna when we're grateful for things that are going well in our life or we realize that it's not us that's doing it. You know, we didn't have any control of the weather or whether or not they had that item in the store. It was all from Hashem. Like Hashem put it there and made our life easier in that way. And that, like, when you're grateful for that, that helps to build your Amuna as well. Like you realize like that came from Hashem. Like, thank you. Like, thank you Hashem for making that work out. Like that was really helpful. That felt like, you know, like my friend said, like that feels like a hug from Hashem. You know, like I got a little hug from Hashem today. Like, you know, they had what I wanted. You know, what my food, my dinner came out good. It didn't burn. The kids all enjoyed it. You know, whatever it might be, you know, like even the little things, you can be grateful for all those little things, you know? Um, I think the last person that's left here is Davina, who might, who wants to, would you like to share Davina? It's good to see you. I can't hear you. You're muted. Davina, you're muted. Sorry about that. All right. There you go. <laughs> Hi, nice to see you too. Um, I think one thing that I've learned, um, is that like, when bad things, like you, you think like something bad happens that it's actually like, there's so much good in it and you find the good stuff that's in it. And, um, and really what, everything that happens is for the good. Um, and, um, so just like kind of like having that, um, perspective, like really helps, um, sorry. <laughs> No, it's great. I mean, what you're sharing is really important. It's true. It's, it's, yeah, but it's, it's hard when you're going through it and something's hard. It's hard to like think what the positives are, like seeing the, you know, the, 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 the line, seeing the silver lining, you know, it's already right. to see yeah. it. And you have to really, right. it ties into what we were saying before, which you have to train yourself to try to see those, you know, mm -hmm. it's not so easy to see it, um, especially when you're in it. Sometimes afterwards, yeah, back and say, you know what, that actually was really a good thing. Like I really learned a lot from that or, you know, I really gained from that, even though it was hard for me, but I persevered and it taught me things about myself and it made me stronger, you know, because I had to push through and I had no choice and it wasn't easy and it was unpleasant, but mm -hmm. I learned things about myself and I had to push through and now I know I can do it, you know, for the next right. time. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes it's not so easy to see while, while you're going through it. It's really hard. Right. Yeah. Realize that yeah, exactly. In yourself while it's happening mm -hmm. and, you know, you have to kind of like motivate yourself from within and say like, you can do it. You can do it. You got it. You know, and it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. Very when, you're, when you're in it, it's hard. And then, you know, I feel like um, you start seeing like positive aspects in it, which is, I think is like such like Hashem's kindness. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's important to look for that. Uh, so like what we said, saying yeah. before, it's important to look for that. It's important to look for the little things because sometimes mm -hmm. the overall situation might be hard. But if we look for the little things, we realize that Hashem is still looking out for us. It doesn't mean that he forgot us or that he's making it hard for us on purpose or that, you know, we really like, you know, or we're supposed to have a hard time, but he cares for us. And this is just something we need to go through for whatever reason, but he's still there. You know, he's still caring about us and taking care of us, even in a small way, you know, um, I and mean, always in a big way, but even if we see it in a small way and we don't always see it right away or are able to see the big thing, you know, for the big picture, because, you know, to be honest, we don't know the end of the story. We're still living it. Right. So yeah. we all are living our story right now. We don't know the end. We don't know how it's going to turn out. So we don't get to have that perspective. Yet. Right. You know, sometimes we're lucky that we do see it, but you know, we do see the bigger picture, but usually we're just privy to little things. You know, if we're lucky enough to look out for those things, we get to see them, you know, and it's important to try to look out for those things. You don't want to, I think that when we don't, we kind of feel like Hashem abandoned us and that's very depressing. You know, it's hard, um, but it is hard while you're going through it. And everyone has situations that are easier or harder for them to do this kind of thing, like where you can say Hashem, you know, it was hard, but like, I know Hashem cared about me and Hashem was watching me. Like I saw this and I saw that and it's, you know, some people, you know, and sometimes we have certain situations which were just harder, you know, it's harder for mm -hmm. us to see that silver lining and that's okay. You know, that's what working ourselves on ourselves is all about. You know, that's what our life is. Life is not necessarily meant to be easy. Um, that's what we're here in this world for. Like if it was meant to be easy, it would be easy. And generally you speak to most people and it isn't, you know, it isn't a walk in the park. It isn't, mm -hmm. you know, right. uh, ups and downs and it's a roller coaster and the, the roller coaster is upside down and twists and turns and sometimes makes you nauseous, you know, it, it's just, and it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, right. you know, but that's what life is. And at the end, you know, hopefully if we all do our job and we work on ourselves while we're going through life at the end, hopefully Hashem, like when we get to 120, we can look back and say like, I did good. You know, I did good. I, I, you know, we can feel accomplished for what we've done. And that really, I think is, you know, the biggest, I think that can be like the biggest thing we can say is that like, I tried. I tried and I did the best that I could and I gave it my all. And that's really, you know, and, and, you know, and you can't do it in every situation. You can't, it's not possible, but at least we can try to do it most of the time. So we build up that muscle in ourselves of like being able to see and, um, you know, being appreciative and being grateful and seeing Hashem and, you know, taking it one step at a time, you know, right. and realizing Hashem is in our life, you know, which is really yeah. the theme that everyone spoke about tonight, you know? Yeah. Um, really amazing and oh. maybe also like um in addition like just like you were saying like being positive and um and then you attract more positive and, yeah. and also like you know um not like not like having um so like I'll, I'll tend to like regret a lot of things and then i'm like you know i like just like not not do that <laughs> you know and just um right not be myself up for right. like right Right. Things that I didn't even have control in. Right. You know, like and it happened. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. things you do have control over. You can't. Things you have you know, control. Right. Yeah. You're 100% right. Beating yourself up about something. Like I tell this to my kids all the time. Like beating yourself up about something doesn't help you in your success. That just makes you feel bad. Mm -hmm. Like look forward. Of course you have to like try to work on it and fix it. But looking backward and just regretting and feeling bad mm -hmm. and, you know, doesn't help you move forward. You really have to just say, okay, what do we do next? Like I made a mistake, I, whatever it might be, you know, what can we do now? Like, okay, keep walking, keep moving forward. Like 
you know, you have to keep moving forward. There's no, there's no walking backwards and getting stuck in the past doesn't help your future at all. We have to be in our present and also be in our future, be walking toward our future. We can't be walking backwards. It, it's not, it's not a positive place to be um, mm-hmm. because there's not helpful. You know, of course, oh. we want to come from our past, good or bad, um, and that can help us, but we can't sit there. You know, we can't dwell in it. It doesn't, you know, well, Sarah Fiscus, you're the, yeah, uh, and like, you're the and like, person, <laughs> so well, you can speak to that. But And uh, like dwelling in the past, like robs you of your happiness in the present. Yeah. You know, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah, really important. Yeah, it like sucks you in. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's very hard to let go. It is, like, I had an experience like this just the beginning of this week where I had an interaction with one of my kids, which was not the most positive interaction. And it, like, the whole morning, like, I couldn't let go of it. I just, and I know that it was them acting the way they acted because, of, you know, they're a teenager and that's just the way they behave. And, you know, they were in the moment and they were upset about something and they just, like, said, like, they just behaved in a certain way. And I know it was not a reflection of, like, our general interactions. Of course, like, they're teenagers. There's a lot of these kinds of interactions. But I know it's not overall, like, the way they are in general. And I know that's not how they feel, like, what they said and the way they acted. I know that's not really blatantly how they feel in general. Like, that, you know, whatever it might be, that I'm incompetent or whatever whatever it might be, you know? Like, that kind of thing that a teenager would say about their parents. <laughs> um, which I think my teenager is totally normal. But, um, and says those kinds of things. But I think it's totally normal. I think we were over like that once. But, you know, I let it eat me up, like, all morning. And it felt so yucky. Like the whole morning, I told my husband, I was like, I can't let go of this. Like, I can't, I feel so bad, I feel so bad. And then like, I kind of like toward lunchtime, I like to really work to myself. I said, you just have to let go, have to let go. It's okay, it'll be fine. You'll do something later that will like just, and then later in the day, like it was like, as teenagers are, like they came home from wherever they went out and they came back and it was like, as if nothing happened at all, (laughs) you know? So like it was forgotten by both. I didn't bring it up again and I didn't let it, keep eating at me because I don't want that to affect our future relationship. You know, I don't want that to be like the theme and, but it's very hard to let go. Like it, like really, like you were saying, like sucked me in the whole morning. Like I could have, it was like for a few hours, it was crazy. Like the whole, I felt like crying the whole morning. It was crazy. And it was like one kid and one interaction. And like, it's just like, it really could like, it like, I don't know, it's like that black hole you know, and you can like sit in a black hole and it like suck you in and suck you in, but like it takes away from everything and like colors everything. The whole morning was like that. And I really had to like work on myself to let go, like to say, okay, like I don't talk myself, like, like really like sit and close my eyes and focus. And like, it was crazy. Like I'm telling you, like, it was really like, like you were saying, like it was really, I really had to like really let go, but it was a few hours of like me feeling like this in my heart, like this achiness and this heaviness, you know? And imagine walking around like that all the time. Like it's, it's really like, does not, I don't think it's very um, conducive to moving forward and being able to work on yourself and being positive and grateful. Like, it's just not, I mean, I can see from the way I was feeling, I can attest to the fact that it was not very positive feeling. That's for sure. The sucking in is your Yetzirah, right? I would think so. Like, I think that, you know, you know, I mean, it's a combination of two different things, I would think. I think it's like, you know, your Yetzirah is like really what, what a lot of people have described it and something that I recently have learned that I think best ways, like, it's what takes you away from Hashem. 
Like it's what it's, it's the feeling inside of you or the, the behavior that will take you away from Hashem. And your Yetzir Tov wants to do good and wants to bring you toward Hashem. And I think, you're, I think this, I would describe this as being my Yetzirah because it definitely was eating away at me and not making me feel good and coloring the interactions with my other children that morning because I couldn't get out of it. Like I just, not that I snapped at them or whatever, but I was not positive and I was not happy. And like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't put myself there. Like I couldn't fake it for them, for my other ones. And I had this like hole that was sucking in and like, feeling just bad and thinking about all the interactions with that particular child and like, what should I do? And maybe we have to go to therapy and there was nothing wrong. Like really my husband used to be like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's normal and it's fine. You'll see it'll pass, you know, just give it time. And it did totally went away, you know, yeah. I won't say going away. I actually I have away. to go. So I want to say goodbye. Um, Thank you. For being here. Here. I appreciate it. What was her name that spoke? You, what that spoke before that brought up the issue of uh, ruminating and what was your name? Davina. Davina. I really that's a topic that uh, I really like uh, you know talking about because I think it's something we all really struggle yeah. with. Especially I feel like during Corona we're like th so we're many changes, more. more time, too much time to think. Yeah. <laughs> some way, yeah. I know. I think yeah. for some people there's too much time to think. It's like, an important I, topic. Introspection is important, but there is, I think there has to be like a limit. Like you have to like stop. You can introspect, it can like over introspect. Is that such a thing? Mm -hmm. That people can like be over introspective? But take care everyone. I hope to see everyone. Okay. Thank, yes. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's really like a really great discussion that we had. Um, I really appreciate you all being here tonight. So thanks for being here. Thanks for all your comments. If you have any more, please make sure to send them my way. And of course, topics and teachers that you want to hear in the future, like please send them my way, send them Sarah's way, um, you know, both of ours, since she's going to eventually be taking over the day-to-day. -day. Um, yeah, we are moving on Sunday in Mirza Hashem, so next week's dinner will have to be a pickup from somewhere else, because <laughs> I'm going to be in the Valley. Unless anyone wants to come to the Valley and join us, that's totally fine. Oh. We'd love to have what, what do, what, Where are you going to move on, in the we Valley? Sunday to the Valley. What, where? I'm just, I it's forgot. In, it's the, the, na the area, it's called Northridge. So it's like past, past Encino. I can't really, yeah. A little bit past Encino. I guess can, that's how you can describe it. But it's not so, so like during Corona, like it hasn't been so bad. Like it, I went there today, took us 30 minutes each way. There are 35 minutes, you know, it was not so bad. Really, it was not bad at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but thank you all for being here tonight. It was really great to meet with you all and to learn with you all. So. Thank you, and um, thank you, Davina, for sharing, and Khani and Pania. Um, so have a great night. You too. And thank we'll you too. See you next week. Merci Hashem. And hopefully I'll talk to you in between that. <laughs> have a good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night.